Before we go any further in today's episode, I wanted to take a quick moment to introduce a sponsor. This episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast is sponsored by Juno. Juno is a completely free resource with no commitment that uses the power of group buying to negotiate lower interest rates on new student loans and the refinancing of existing ones. Juno has helped thousands of people nationwide save on their student loans and it's changed the lives of so many who struggle with the rising cost of higher education. Not to mention they also have other resources like scholarships including a monthly one for $1,000 that can be applied to current tuition or towards your existing loans if you already have some. Anyone who wants to join can do so on their website through my referral link which you can always find in the show notes of this episode. It takes two minutes and just needs some basic info. It's also totally free and there's no commitment to take any of their deals. I am beyond excited to be partnering with Juno because not only will I be using their money saving resources myself, but their services are perfectly in line with my personal brand. Fashion school is expensive y'all, so you can bet I'll be taking full advantage of everything that Juno has to offer. I want to give a huge thanks to Juno for sponsoring this episode, and with that, let's get right back on into the episode. and welcome back to another episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast with me, your host, Christina Ang. We made it through the first week of the new year, and I think that grants us all a big pat on the back. Granted, it was a hectic um, week, and it seemed like an extension of what happened in 2020, but nonetheless, I'm going to keep a positive outlook of the new year because we've still got a really long way to go. I'm really trying hard to stray away from any negative thoughts this year, of course, but I don't doubt that I will have my moments of negativity because I just don't believe it, you know, it being possible to stay 100% positive all of the time, but that's just me. Anyway, all of that aside, as much as I don't want to remind myself of this, but school is right around the corner for me. My spring semester officially starts January 19th, so I think that's like less than a week and I am not physically or mentally ready to start attending virtual classes again. Part of me is a little excited about the spring semester because of the classes that I'm taking. I really love the classes that I'm taking next semester. They're super fun and super different from what I've taken in the past, you know, but the other part of me is dreading it because obviously I don't want to attend classes, but I also don't think that I enjoyed my winter break to the fullest extent. It all just went too fast and felt too rushed and Also, the prospect of another semester of online school is really just not exciting me, as I don't think it's exciting anyone. But besides all of that, I've been keeping super busy during the winter break, working on some personal projects, and also working just as hard at my PR internship that I'm currently with. As you all can tell by the title of this week's episode, we're going to be talking about a topic that is very interesting and certainly relatable to most of you, and that's imposter syndrome. I talk a lot on this podcast regarding, you know, very motivating topics like career advice and also talking about internships and resumes and all of that, but I kind of wanted to strip it down this episode and get real with you guys about a feeling that I know can be quite common amongst a lot of us. Maybe you've even felt this feeling but haven't really been able to put a name to it, imposter syndrome, if you're not familiar with the term. Um, It can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that can occur despite evident success. Quote-unquote, imposters suffer from self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success. They seem unable to internalize their accomplishments, however successful they are in their field. 
And that definition that I just read was from the Harvard Business Review, so, you know, pretty legit. If you've ever experienced the feeling that I just described, then you're probably experiencing imposter syndrome um, without even knowing it. And I know that definition that I just gave you guys sounds like a feeling that only happens to really successful people, but I read more into imposter syndrome and really it can affect anyone no matter, you know, your social status, work background, skill level, or degree of expertise, all of that. It's pretty much just this internal feeling that you don't belong where you are and that you're basically a fraud. And if you're feeling imposter syndrome, you're most likely not aware that you're feeling it. So I conjured up some common thoughts and feelings associated with imposter syndrome and I wanted to share them with you all just in case you might be having these feelings yourself and you're just not able to put a name to it. One of the biggest thoughts that one experiencing imposter syndrome might have is this constant thought of their achievements or accomplishments being no big deal. And this is because when you have imposter syndrome, you tend to downplay any successes that you have. And I can completely attest to this thought because this is something I find myself doing a lot. And maybe it could also be because I try to be as modest and humble as possible, I don't know. But something I always do when people try to congratulate me or speak highly of my accomplishments is that I like to brush them off and just be like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal or it's not that amazing. So if you're sitting there listening to this episode and totally resonating with the feelings that I'm describing, then you know exactly what I mean. Another common thought that will come up with those who experience imposter syndrome is that sometimes they'll think that all of their accomplishments are just due to luck. This might sound weird for someone to actually think when they're experiencing imposter syndrome, but most of the time people don't contribute their successes to be results of what they actually did. Instead, they think that they got where they are because of luck. I personally don't attribute anything I do to luck because... Trust me, I'm like the least luckiest person out there in the world, but there are definitely a lot of people who have this thought that like everything that they do is because they got lucky in life. Um, I've even had friends who describe this to me, especially those who became wildly successful overnight. Like, can you imagine how hard that can be to wake up to instant success? And as great and as dreamlike as that sounds, you can imagine that a person might result in having major imposter syndrome after experiencing something like that. You know, something so instant, like becoming famous overnight is just, it's, it like messes with your mind in a way. But yeah, of course, like most of my other informative episodes, I dug deep into research mode to learn more about imposter syndrome because I'm going to be honest, guys, even though I feel like I have experienced you know, imposter syndrome on multiple occasions, I still feel like I'm not educated enough or know enough about the subject to tell you guys about it, you know, but then again, I guess me even saying that is a form of imposter syndrome because I'm doubting myself and not giving myself enough credit. But anyway, while doing my research, I came across something that I found on imposter syndrome that was quite interesting and something that I didn't even know about it myself. Before looking into this topic at all and just basing it on like my own personal experience, I've only come to know imposter syndrome as having negative results and effects because like obviously imposter syndrome doesn't sound like a good thing. The self-doubt, the self-sabotage, the berating your own performances, all of that just those are not good things and What I found while reading a source online was that for some people imposter syndrome can actually fuel feelings of motivation to achieve. Now, I read that and I was immediately taken aback at first because I was like, what? I did not even think about the potential of imposter syndrome contributing to a positive outcome like 
motivation. And then as I started to read on, I realized that this outcome was not really that positive at all. So even though the source describes imposter syndrome being a fuel to feelings of motivation, they went on to describe how these feelings usually come at a cost in the form of constant anxiety, which can cause you to overprepare or work much harder than necessary. And let me tell you all that I was so shook when I read that sentence because it really resonated with me on another level. This whole time and for most of my life, I feel like I could be described by that very sentence that I just read to you all. You know, I would go about those exact same motions, feeling like an imposter and a phony and allowing that to fuel this ambition to do better and achieve greater things. So a lot of the time when I do things, I always push myself to do it to the absolute best and to push the boundaries of what every other person could do. And of course, I'm not saying it's bad to do your best at stuff, but the way I would do things is I would over-prepare and do more work than what was necessary, which internally is not always the best thing. So for so long, I'd been going through these motions and had never even realized that it had been a result of my original feeling, which is imposter syndrome. So that is the big epiphany that I had this week, and I think it is so important for me to realize that and be able to explain that to myself, why I was doing the things that I was doing. I always just thought I would overwork because maybe I'm like a natural born try hard or something, and honestly, that still might be the case, but it's just kind of eye-opening to get a new perspective on how imposter syndrome can fuel these feelings of motivation, but then in turn, like, cause, like, negative effects. I also discovered something else while I was looking into imposter syndrome that I wanted to share with you all as well. Apparently, there are different types of imposter syndrome that can appear and manifest in a number of different ways. And I did not know this at all before doing my research, and I'm sure a lot of you probably didn't know about it either, and it's your first time hearing this. So, you know, these types have actually been identified by professionals, and so I wanted to share the different types of imposter syndrome here. So, there is five of them. The perfectionist, the superwoman slash man, the natural genius, the rugged individualist, and finally the expert. And you're probably like, I have no idea what any of that means, Christina, but don't worry, I'm going to explain all of that and the different types right now. So the first one, the perfectionist. Perfectionists are never satisfied and always feel that their work could be better. Rather than focus on their strengths, they tend to fixate on any flaws or mistakes. This often leads to a great deal of self-pressure and high amounts of anxiety. The next one is the superhero. Here's the description for them. Because these individuals feel inadequate, they feel compelled to push themselves to work as hard as possible. The expert, which is next, can be described as always trying to learn more and are never satisfied with their level of understanding. Even though they are often highly skilled, they underrate their own expertise. The natural genius can be described as individuals who set excessively lofty goals for themselves and then feel crushed when they don't succeed on their first try. And finally, the soloists are people who tend to be very individualistic and prefer to work alone. Self-worth often stems from their productivity, so they often reject offers of assistance. They tend to see asking for help as a sign of weakness or incompetence. Wow, can I just say those descriptions were super precise and descriptive, but I'm gonna be honest, from reading all of them, I really couldn't tell which one I was, because I sounded like all of them, to be honest. So what I ended up doing to find out which type of imposter syndrome I was is um, I found that there are multiple sites online that lets you take a quiz to find out what type you are. 
just like you would take an online quiz to find out like your love language, all of that kind of stuff. Apparently, they have ones to find out what type of imposter syndrome you are. So I actually took the quiz and was reluctant to find out that I am the superhero, the second type of imposter syndrome that I read out to you guys. And by the way, for any of you who are bursting with curiosity as to which type you are, you can find out from the online quiz from Grammarly, you know, of all places, Grammarly, yeah. But there were a lot of different quizzes online, but I think the Grammarly one is the best one that I found and it's quite intuitive. So if you want to check that out and see for yourselves, it's there for you. But anyway, the superhero, I know I described a little bit of it, but I wanted to share some more results from the quiz. Um, so here it is. The superhero imposter is one who feels like a less legitimate professional than their colleagues and takes on more and more and pushes hard to seem like the real deal. In fact, superhero imposters are workaholics, hooked on the validation they get from work rather than the actual work. Fixing this kind of imposter syndrome should be focused on training yourself to find internal validation rather than external validation. By shifting your focus, you'll learn how to incorporate more balance into your workload. Guys, I can't tell you how happy I am that I actually took that quiz because I think it did a really good job at narrowing down what kind of feelings I'm feeling when I feel imposter syndrome. A lot of that description that I just read out was very accurate to me, so I definitely urge you all to take the quiz for yourself to find out what type you are. And not to mention that they also provided a little sentence at the end as to some solutions to fixing your specific type of imposter syndrome, so... I will definitely be using that little piece of advice in my own life. The biggest takeaway of what it said for me being the superhero is to focus on training myself to find internal validation rather than external validation. And if you know me personally or just from listening to this podcast, you know that that is something I really need to work on. So it was super spot on. A lot of the time, I'll care more about the validation that I get from others rather than my own happiness and satisfaction. So taking that quiz just really brought this to my attention that it is a problem of mine that I need to work on. And by the way, I'll put the link to the quiz in the show notes because I'm sure a lot of you will be interested in learning more about this as well. This is such an important topic to stress because even though imposter syndrome, as I've been describing it, might sound like not the biggest deal to you guys, it can actually lead to something worse. So that's why it's actually really important to identify these feelings and know how to conquer them beforehand. As I've been seeing all over the internet, imposter syndrome can really have a big impact on mental health and I'm sure a lot of those of you who are experiencing it yourselves can really see that taking shape. I think the most important first step in dealing with imposter syndrome is first in acknowledging it. Um, Just as I'm talking openly to you guys on here and admitting to my imposter syndrome, that's what I mean by acknowledging it. And I'm not saying that you have to start a podcast and talk about all of your intimate experiences on here, but I'm talking about, you know, even just admitting it to yourself or confiding in someone you're close with about it will really help you take a big step in how to fix it. I know a lot of people who have imposter syndrome who don't really like to talk about it, and that's fine, but I think it's much easier to deal with and combat it if you're talking about it with someone. I even, you know, talk about it with my twin sister sometimes when I really just need someone to talk to and when I have those moments when I'm feeling like especially down about myself and, you know, she'll do the same to me when she's feeling that too. But also I think it's important to mention that you might not even know if you have imposter syndrome because I'm sure a lot of you listening are thinking about your own thoughts and being like, do I have imposter syndrome? 
what, you know, what does that feel like? And if you don't know, just refer back to all of the quote-unquote symptoms that I talked about earlier and just the thoughts that I referenced to people who have imposter syndrome and ask yourself if you're feeling that way or have been feeling those feelings. You know, sometimes it's not as easy to recognize and sometimes people don't want to admit it to themselves that they have imposter syndrome, but it's really important to, you know, acknowledge it within yourself. Some other few words of wisdom I can offer to those who are struggling with imposter syndrome is to take some time to remember what you're good at and what you excel in. Everyone has their own individual strengths that surpass what other people might be capable of, so take pride in those and even write those things down if you need to. And if you're writing it down, it's literally for your own eyes and for your own personal benefit, so don't fear that anyone's going to see it or think you're cocky because you're writing all of your pros down or anything like that. But also, I can't say this enough, there is no greater piece of advice I can give to you all than to stop comparing yourself with others. I know it's literally human nature for us to look at others and compare ourselves, you know, whether that's a good comparison or a bad one, and usually it's a bad one because when we compare, we tend to find faults within ourselves and that fuels feelings that can make you feel like you're not good enough. But if you're comparing yourself with others and it's a really big problem for you, I would just say to find the source of the comparison. So whether that's social media or watching TV, I don't know. Just find the source of where you're comparing yourself to people and utilize that space more moderately. I find that I do compare myself to others on social media the most, specifically Instagram, and it hasn't become like a major problem for me yet where I'm like totally losing, losing self-confidence, I can't speak, losing self-confidence, but if it ever does become a big problem, I would moderate my use of Instagram and just not try to fuel those feelings of inferiority that I might have. But again, guys, I don't ever want you all listening to feel like the feelings you're feeling are wrong or not valid. It's okay to have and experience imposter syndrome and it's okay to admit it. As long as you don't let it get to the point where it's going to affect you negatively, you know, affect your mental health negatively and also stop you from achieving your goals. Like, don't let it get to that point. Just keep going and refuse to be stopped. But that is all for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this today's episode. I know it was a little more like deep and down to earth and getting serious, but yeah, I hope to do more of these in the future. As always, I want to thank you guys for tuning into this podcast and to hit that follow button if you're liking what you're hearing. If you have any ideas for future episodes, give me a DM on Instagram because I would love to hear every single one of them. Love you guys always and talk to you on the next episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast.